0: Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me on my podcast where I release two new episodes every single week. Mondays, you can expect to hear from me overcoming a personal obstacle or a challenge or an aha moment. And on Wednesdays, I love interviewing others who have overcome obstacles, leveraged adversity, and share their stories with you to inspire and motivate you to keep going and know that no matter what, it's all about your mind over matter. The fact that you ended up on my podcast means you are on your own self-development journey. I want to offer you, if you are ready to level up and take it a step further and deep dive to figure out how to get yourself unstuck or overcome your own obstacles, or you just need some guidance, and new perspective. I offer one-on-one coaching. Please visit my website directly at heatherhakes.com, fill out the form, and let's hop on a call. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 213. Today's discussion is all about life is meant to be a meaningful adventure. We are meant to take risks. We are meant to do the things that ruffle our feathers, or or kind of scare us, because that's where the magic lies. I've brought to you a Hollywood helicopter cameraman to dive into exactly that. Welcome to today's interview. I've brought on David Allen Arnold. David, welcome. Hi there. Thanks for having me back on. I appreciate it. Yes, I actually we connected through there was a mutual friend on Facebook He hit me up and said hey, I think you'd really enjoy talking with David and and then I did and I read your book and and I love your background So please share with the audience. Where do you live and what do you do?
1: I live in the city of Los Angeles and I am a helicopter cameraman. I have been flying for 25 years uh, for Hollywood movies and TV shows And uh, I have flown every season in a little helicopter for the Deadliest Catch.
0: And speaking of that, I mean, you shared it with me. I read it in your book. And then obviously, this is a little, little bit timely with Kobe Bryant, his daughter and the fellow passengers all dying in that heli crash. And so I'd love for you to share your experience. What has that been like for you? You've, and for Deadliest Catch, you've had a lot of you know, fellow cameraman and whatever, go down. And so, what is that like? And and you shared with me off camera, but you know, Kobe had the safest protocol. Kobe was set up for the perfect ride, and obviously, things don't always go as planned.
1: Um. Yeah i I actually flew over Kobe Bryant for most of his career when he played in the Staples Center, and um, you know. Uh, nothing in life is without risk. Um, and, uh, Kobe Bryant had the best of everything. So if you look at his helicopter and his mode of travel, he really, uh, was flying one of the safest aircraft ever made. He was flying the best helicopter that money can buy with two jet engines, just like an airliner. And he was flown by the chief pilot of the company. Um, Kobe was not being reckless. Uh, I think what, what happened to Kobe was just a freak accident. It's, uh, a lesson to everyone I think is uh, to remember that if Kobe Bryant can be taken down, any of us can be, because you are probably a hundred thousand more times likely to die in a car crash than Kobe Bryant is to die in his luxurious twin engine, uh, helicopter. Um, and so I think the big, the big moral of that story for me is just it's a reminder that if Kobe can be taken in a flash, uh, any of us can. And so it's really important to pay attention to how you live because we don't know how long we're going to live.
0: And you know what? That that was the reminder for me. I, did, I wasn't as connected to Kobe as friends of mine and, and other, especially males, males growing up watching Kobe, want to be like Kobe, playing basketball like Kobe. But for me, it was such a reminder that literally the rest of today is not guaranteed. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. And so what you shared with me previously is this whole feeling alive and that we are born to take risks and adventure. And so share that with me.
1: Well, I I do feel that human beings are built for adventure. I don't think we're made to take it safe. And our culture is so affluent that we... In a in a f- almost comical way, uh, as a, as the a people in the United States, we have pretty much pushed every form of risk out of our lives, and that uh, that existence I think is very foreign to the human psyche. I think that the human spirit craves adventure, and so to live and work in big uh, ivory towers filled with cubicles. Uh, for which every form of possible risk has been removed. There's just no element of danger whatsoever in our lives. And I think that that's a really kind of an unhealthy way to live, actually. And I think it actually, psychologically, it leaves people out of balance. That's uh, that's why I believe uh, people argue so bitterly on uh, Facebook and social media, I think, is is because there's just that part of their spirit that yearns a meaningful adventure and they're not getting it so when they start to argue over politics on facebook they just go straight to the carnal core because it's just that that part of their spirit that's looking for a place to get out and go at it
0: and that makes sense looking for an outlet and And I get it because I I worked in corporate. I did the corporate gig for a decade and it literally, it felt like jail to me. I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And I think that's why so many people live for the weekends and their next vacation. And, but question for you, talk about taking risks. I mean, you've had many fellow friends and and coworkers go down in helicopter crashes and you're still doing it.
1: I have. And, and um, you know, that's, one of the most painful chapters of my life, I'm uh, almost 48 years old, and the worst pain I ever felt uh, was when one of my friends was killed in a helicopter crash, and that story is in my book. And um, I don't, I'm not sad in a sense for him because he lived the way he wanted to live. He loved his life. And uh, my friend David was a carpenter before he became a helicopter pilot. And so he, unlike 99% of people out there, he didn't live his whole life and career as a carpenter. He went for it. He quit the steady, guaranteed paychecks of carpentry work, and he went to a crazy, uh, we Ridiculous adventure of being a helicopter pilot flying around the world and a single day of his life is worth a hundred lifetimes of what most people allow themselves to, to do. And, um, so I wasn't, you know, really sad because he, he, uh, I grieved because I lost my friend, but I can say on the other side of the coin, he lived the life he wanted. And I think that, if you do that, I think you'll die without regrets, which is a lot better than living to 100 and never doing what you want to do and never taking the risks that you know you were made to take.
0: To well, and there's plenty of articles all about the number one regret of the dying is playing the woulda, coulda, shoulda game.
1: Yeah, I think um, we really, Kobe is the prime example. We don't control how long we live. That's not up to us. Uh, what is up to us is what we do with the time we have. And I was just talking to a friend of mine, you know, forget helicopter crashes. Uh, a friend of mine just lost his buddy to pancreatic cancer, which is a, uh, I believe pancreatic cancer still has a 99% fatality rate. And so before his friend passed, he, he moved to the beach because he always wanted to live at the beach. And he and I were talking about it, and it was just – it was a very similar story to Kobe Bryant's. It was just – his life was suddenly taken by a disease. Um, and so many people, you know, they're not diagnosed with cancer. They live long lives, but they never move to the beach. Yeah. And they die. They live their whole lives, and they die. There's great mathematical reasons for why they never move to the beach – but the point is, um, I think that humans are meant to live at the beach and we're meant to do the things that really call to us. And um, so I think if, if you move to the beach or if you fly in a helicopter and something bad happens to you, I, I think the bottom line is you got what you wanted from life. And that to me is so much more important than living to be 112.
0: On that note, I've also seen it Or or read it written that, uh, you know, he was 76 years old, but he died at 25. He stopped living at 25. And it was going through life's motions those last 51 years or whatever.
1: Well, that's that's what a lot of us do. I, I find that people entrap themselves. So most people that I know don't enjoy being parents. And they're just so freaked out and stressed out the whole time. They have kids, they buy a house they can't afford, their bills are too high, uh, they don't have enough money every month. So it's all they can do to just scramble and scratch and claw to try and pay the bills every month. And meanwhile, the kids are a nuisance. You know, they don't have time to enjoy having kids and raising them because they're so stressed out of all the stuff they have to do. And um and that's just a it's a, almost a pattern that people fall into. And, um, and so I think that, uh, rather than trap yourselves, you know, rather than trap yourself in bills and stuff that you think you should have, uh, I think it's a far more important thing is to, to go for the things you dream of, even if you don't have the money for it, just go for it. And, and I guarantee you that dying without regrets is so much more important than living to the 112.
0: Gary V. he literally just posted this week, stop buying things that you don't want to impress people you don't like. And I think somebody else said that, but I think that is the truth is, and what you said is, you know, go live at the beach or, or fly the helicopter or take the vacation there. I believe when you go after the things you actually want, the how will unfold for you.
1: Yeah. The, the how comes always in a way that, um, you really can't see coming, I believe. Um, when uh, you know, there's a story in my book where I found this ridiculous, crazy, aggressive dog running in traffic, and there was no talking to this dog. This dog wanted to kill anyone that came close to her. And I had not a clue how I was going to, A, get this dog off the street so she wasn't run over by a car. B uh, uh, keep a dog. I had no way to keep a dog. And, but I just knew that that's what I had to do. And it was like a calling. Just this is bizarre thing where like, this was a dog that nobody else would go near. This dog was running in traffic all day long and nobody went near that dog because she was crazy. And she attacked anyone who came within 50 feet. And I certainly didn't, have a plan I didn't have a clue how in the world I was going to make that work. But I just set very small goals, one of which was to sit next to the dog and not get bit. So I got that done. And then after three hours, I got a leash on the dog. So that's done. And uh, we walked the dog to my car and my buddy had been trying to help me get the dog off the street. And she bit the crap out of him. He had put big gloves on and had reached under a a parked car to try and drag her out. And she just mauled his hands. And now I've got this crazy dog on a leash. We walk to my truck and he looked at me and he looked at the dog and he goes, well, what are you going to do now? And I said, I'm going to pick the dog up and put her in my truck. And he goes, you are like, it was just unthinkable that anybody would touch this Tasmanian devil. And he was, he was exactly right. There's no, thinking reason to even attempt this i just knew i had to make it work and, I, and that's all i knew and so i reached down i pick up the dog put her in the truck and then like you said in a very unexpected way when i got this crazy dog back to my place and i took a garden hose and i started washing the motor oil off of her she had no fur on her back just scabs just, just raw like wounds and just in this bizarre unexpected twist of fate underneath all that dirt and motor oil and scabs was the most loyal and affectionate dog I have ever seen I'm 48 years old I've never ever seen a dog that was as devoted to me as the switch the dog was And so every day was like that. It was just this crazy process of trying to figure out what in the heck to do to, to get her through the day. Like I couldn't leave the dog with anybody because she'd attack anyone that, that she saw. So, so how I was going to solve this puzzle every day, I didn't have a clue. I just knew I had to do it. And then like you said, every day, like an unexpected way, some little miracle would happen and we would, we would survive and get through it. And then she would snuggle up with me at night. And that's how we lived for 13 years.
0: Hmm. That's amazing. And I think that's such a metaphor <laughs> for life that so many people have this scabbed motor oil front or cover. And if we could just love and kindness and give to them what's really underneath.
1: Well, that's how kids are. Um, you know, i I watched kids. i I find that people don't spend time with their kids. They usually just give them an iPad and uh, and therefore the kids tend not to know how to behave. and whenever i I volunteer at my son's schools, and um, whenever I go in, I always tell the teacher to put me with the problem kids because there's kids in there, in those classes. Mm-hmm that just yell and scream and throw stuff at the teacher. And that's what they do all day. And so the teacher moves them to like one corner of the room and just doesn't even pay attention when this kid is yelling and screaming and throwing stuff because they have to get through the lesson. And I have found that those kids always respond, just like the dog that I rescued off the street. Uh, She was crazy and maniacal and uh, she had wanted to kill anyone who came near. But because I took three hours of just sitting on the ground next to her, she got comfortable. And come to find out, this, this hell on wheels beast was actually craving someone to, like you said, to treat her with love, and then she would love in return. But no one was doing that, and that's why no one went near the dog normally. Uh, and the kids are the same. I, I find that these kids always respond it's just like they bloom if anyone pays attention to them and so when i go to the to the school i'll get the one crazy lunatic badger of a kid and whatever the task is i'll just sit down with them i'll talk to them about the task where normally they're by themselves right so the 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 teacher gives 30 kids a job to do okay you build this house out of cardboard or whatever the the task is. And so the kids all work on the house, except for this one kid who's just going to throw the cardboard across the room, you know? And, but if you sit with that kid and you focus them on the, on the task and you don't let them wander off and throw things, uh, they just bloom. It's just like any, any, it's, it's the strange thing that, that a lot of kids who, who misbehave are just looking for someone to pay attention to them. And if you're willing to do that, you, what you may find under all of that is is a really gifted little person you know who's just not adjusted to this world of institutions and schools and and stuff like that. but if if you just treat them as a human being and walk through with them whatever they have to do, uh, it's an amazing uh, turnaround that you can see almost immediately.
0: And I think that's an amazing example, whether it's it's kids at school or, uh, trust me, adults do it too. Any form of acting out is simply a call for love. So I feel like you definitely embody fearlessness. So where did that come from?
1: I'm just not that smart. Um, I, I'm very honest in the books about getting
0: – I think you need to give yourself more credit, and I think it's a lot more – you just have a lot of courage – but my question for you would be, what is a key takeaway you want listeners to get from this conversation about risk and, and living your life to the fullest?
1: Well, it, I think the key is not, uh, I'm not going to tell anyone how to live, but I, I do think that Kobe Bryant is a wake-up call. You know, um, Kobe Bryant flew in the same helicopter that Donald Trump flies in his civilian life there's no reason to expect that he would ever have a problem in that helicopter. And he was gone in a flash. His life was over. And so I think the the lesson to take note of and to pay attention to is that if if Kobe can be taken without warning, any of us can. And therefore, if you're not doing the things that make you happy every day, that you love to do, if you don't jump out of bed every day and are excited to go and do your work, uh, then you should pay attention to that and find a way to move towards the things that really light your candle because that's that's why we're here. That's why we're alive is to do those things and all of the other things that suck up all your time and energy and keep you from the things that you love. Uh, are probably you should get rid of those.
0: I love that. Okay, so then I have a few rapid-fire questions for you to wrap up today's interview. The first one being, what is a quote or motto that you live by?
1: A quote or a motto. So uh, one of my favorite quotes is Martin Luther King Jr. And he said, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep the streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth look down and say, here lives a street sweeper who did his job well. And, uh, and I used to have that quote when I worked in corporate America, I used to have that quote stuck to the wall uh, next to my desk because I, I really believe in that.
0: I love that. Uh, the second question for you, what is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend?
1: Current book that I'm reading? Um, I recommend my books help from above series. They're, they're unconventional. I'm not an author. I'm a cameraman. Uh, so they're a pretty funny sort of twisted take on books. It's just me saying whatever I think. And I, and I, I really do recommend an unconventional story like mine, uh, is is a great way to it's I've been told it's an entertaining adventure.
0: Final question for you. What advice would you give your younger self?
1: My younger self. Um, I don't have any advice from my younger self. Uh, I, I do live without regrets, so I wouldn't take any of my problems or disasters back. Uh, they've all helped me in some unexpected way. So I I just don't have any regrets. And I, I would say, uh, you know, kind of more like what you say, don't be afraid because, um, no matter how bad it looks or sounds or feels, uh, you will get through it and just keep going because I'm, I'm happy where I am.
0: I love that. Such a great note to end on. David, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your story.
1: Heather, thanks for having me on. I always enjoy talking to you and, and uh, I always enjoy listening to your show. So it's a, it's a really uh, kind of a thrill to be on your show.
0: Thanks for tuning into today's episode. To connect with me even further, follow me on Instagram at heather.hakes. You can find me on YouTube to get even more information and video content and my website heatherhakes.com. I'll catch you on the next